Jim Britt and Jim Lutz had a vision, and the Change Book series was developed. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, Work-Life Balance Specialist, Deb Crow. Join Deb Weekly, where she interviews the top co-authors from all over the globe who share their insights into self-empowerment with life-enhancing realizations that will touch every area of your life. We're live every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's my favorite day of the week. It's hump day. It's Wednesday. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Canada. It's a little chilly. We're 12 below zero, but it definitely isn't dampering my spirits. And I want to wish our listeners a happy new year and welcome back. I'm hoping that 2016 has started off in a positive, impactful way, and you've got a long list of goals, and you're just going to be a dream crusher this year. That's certainly what's on my agenda. So we've got two amazing co-authors on the show today, and I'd like to introduce the first co-author. She's from Ohio, and she's in the latest book that is hot off the press, book number nine, and her name is Diana Garber. She has been remarked by a reporter uh, who wrote about her that she is a feng shui master, but she, quote, isn't your typical candle-sniffing cloud watcher, end quote. In fact, her results have transformed the minds of many skeptics. She had lived a disciplined corporate life while simultaneously pursuing her feng shui education. As VP at a Fortune 100 company, she oversaw 65,000 workstations and 2,500 servers. She's worked command centers for the New York terrorist attack, Hurricanes Lily and Isidore, the Fort Worth tornado, and many more. Diana has thrived through 20 major surgeries, two near-death experiences, and the loss of children. She says that if you manage your environment consciously or it will unconsciously manage you. Diana has achieved much success in the feng shui world, including serving as the feng shui practitioner for the Ohio State University. So I can definitely say with all of my being that this is going to be a high energy show today. So Diana, welcome to the Change Book Radio Show. Thank you, Deborah. And I get goosies just even listening to that. I mean, it's almost unreal. <laughs> well, I'm I'm a big lover of feng shui, and I know some people may know of the term and what it means. And and I would love to hear from you. Give the listeners uh, a snapshot of what feng shui means and and what it really represents. Feng Shui really means managing your environment. Now, there's the environment of the mind, the body, the spirit, school, work, community, faith. Uh, what I do is I go into people's homes or into their businesses, and I figure out the energy patterns that are there that they're experiencing, but they can't, they can't see it. They can't necessarily touch it. So 
there's things like electromagnetic frequency. Well, if you have electric in your house, you're experiencing EMF. Uh, but there's there's different energy patterns that support us in life and that don't support us. So as an example, one thing is called geopathic stress. And I just did a, a research article on this. Uh, people who have experienced geopathic stress, um, they say that most divorces, and they, meaning MDs, did a study on this. And most people who have been through a divorce, one or both partners, have experienced chronic geopathic stress. Another study done by an MD uh, said that 70% of people who have passed from cancer were chronically exposed to geopathic stress. So there's an article on my website, but really feng shui is about managing your environment. So, you know, we're intelligent beings. Uh, when something comes up, we go out to the Internet, and, of course, we have access to buku information these days. So we'll go out and research warts or whatever it is, and, you know, we'll find uh, remedies for that and, you know, try to take care of it. But for for those who remember Paul Harvey, he used to say, and the rest of the story, for me that's what feng shui is. It's the rest of the story. If we're able to, you know, see it, touch it, smell it, you know, we're, we're, we'll go out and figure it out to make it better or to at least make it acceptable. Uh, but feng shui, people don't know how to quantify that. And a lot of it, um, I do authentic feng shui, which uh, it's all about algorithms and formulas that tell you the energy patterns that you're living in and where there's risks. My background's at risk management, as you just mentioned. Um, you know, you, you have it resonate at a higher energy level so that you have a better experience of life. And when you manage your risks where there's opportunities, they get to shine, they get to blossom. So, you know, it's all about flow. Flow out, flow in. Flow out, our effort into the world. Is that matched by the flow in? Are we on the receiving end of love and support and prosperity and abundance, you know, and faith? Well, you know, it's creating that balance. So that, to me, is what feng shui is. Does that sound like what it is for you? Because I know you actually, you know, you've had feng shui involved in your home. I have. And, you know, my favorite thing to talk about is balance. So you, you've just hit me right in the heart there. What What I love about what you're saying is, you know, this comes back 3,000 plus years ago from China, if I'm right. And, and it derives from ancient art being married with science, which is so interesting because they're, they're just so, they're two independent prin principles that come together. And it's like you talk about, it's, it's energy, it's flow. And I always, I'm always taken back when, when people have like a deja vu or they say, I can, I can sense someone's energy. And I always just smile. I'm certainly not at the level of your education or expertise, but it just makes me think about those gut feelings and, and our intuitiveness that we either embrace or we shy away from it being a reality. How how do you feel about that? Well, I I think that we shy away from something that we don't understand. 
And with feng shui, I think there's probably more misunderstanding out there than correct education about it, which that's part of my commitment is educating people because really, um, and, and I mentioned this in a chapter in Change Book 9, I've died twice. I've got goosies. <laughs> and I really do believe that the reason that, you know, I was sent back to the physical plane is to help others experience the success that I've experienced with feng shui because I've had 20 major surgeries, majors meaning general anesthesia, serious surgeries. I've had multiple children, and I have one living child, so there's been a lot of breakdown in my life. My whole life has really been crisis management. No coincidence, I ended up in disaster recovery. <laughs> but feng shui brought it all together for me. Uh, you know, when I started to apply its principles, I'm literally a walking miracle. So that's why I say it's the rest of the story. I went out and researched. I visited the doctors. You know, I did all of that. And I'm not saying this is a substitute for anything. It's just one more tool in the toolbox. But when, you know, people don't know what they don't know or they know a little bit and they make assumptions or presumptions about something and, uh, you know, to learn what it really is and what it really offers, I mean, you mentioned I, you know, I've I've actually was accepted on faculty at OSU, you know, so for them to put their big toe in the world of feng shui, you know, I had to go through a very rigorous, rigorous um, credentialing process. But, uh, you know, be that as it may, um, a lot of physicians, when unfortunately they're out of options with a patient, I wish it would be more proactive than that, um, but I've I've worked with literally dozens and dozens of people that were terminal. They had a diagnosis of 6 to 18 months, and in all cases they've gone into remission. And not only are they here, still walking the earth, they have quality of life. So that's part of, you know, the education process is, you know, I think it was Einstein said, doing the same old thing and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. But sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. So when we're introduced to either a different way of thinking or a different way of being, and we start to embrace those principles, everything is connected. You know, when I exhale, you breathe it in. You know, we're all one globe. If more people would educate themselves on this and other principles, what a better world it would be. That's why uh, when I'm you know Jim Lutz and Jim uh, Britt called and, and they asked me to consider uh, you know, being in this book, I was just like, how did you find me? I'm just a girl from Ohio. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled and honored to be able to contribute, you know, is to break down to break through. Yeah, life happens. Yeah, we've got heavy hip boots on. We all do. My story to me isn't any more profound than the person next door. Everybody has something that they're going to go through. It's called life. You know, does it get the best of it or do we find a way to keep charging on? And I don't mean that to sound altruistic. I really don't. It's just Put one foot in front of the other, you know, one day. You know, I think there was a show at one point called, 
you know, one step at a time. But, you know, it, it's so true. It's just not getting in whatever the drudgery or whatever the negativity of it is. You know, feng shui is about finding positive energy or creating, manifesting positive energy. But when you get into that negative mode and you just kind of wallow in it, boy, you get stuck. You just get stuck. And that was really what my chapter was about, was getting uh, unstuck. And I I thoroughly enjoyed um reading your chapter and I'm I'm just gonna take a minute to to read a couple of powerful um excerpts from it. And so you're in book nine, which is literally hot off the press, by the way, and I know from speaking with Jim and Jim this week, uh, book 10 is now done and we're on book 11. So before I I read from your chapter, uh, which is entitled Three Powerful Words, I just, I'd love you to tell the listeners, how, how does it make you feel to join this powerful global community knowing that Jim Britt was Tony Robbins' first coach like for me, I just think it's so cool that they're a phone call and an email away, and I, my gratitude cup uh, is is overflowing immensely because I I've just met so many amazing authors. What does that mean and represent to you, being being that that girl from Ohio, as you say? I found it and find it very inspirational because there are many experts out there there are many inspirational people who write about their story but jim and jim knows that there's more stories out there than you know they can relate on their own and so they have found people that have a fantastic message and they're bringing it together you know i mean oprah who's very inspirational just wrote a book for you know by by oprah kind of thing um, but to bring together people from all over the world to give snippets, and of course it can only be a snippet in a chapter, as to, you know, here's something to think about differently. Here's a different way of thinking or being, um, or here's a resource or a tool. That's what I think is so profound about this, and I just hope it goes on forever because the world, like I said, the world would be a different different place if if we... And and eventually, I think when people read a book or hopefully multiple books, there's going to be a nugget in there that's going to help them. There's going to be a nugget that they've been searching for but didn't know where to go to find it. That's what That's what inspired me to be a part of this. I agree with you, and I think the the culmination of talent and expertise, I mean, spanning the globe in 22-plus countries now, crossing paths of people that would, would not have likely met or communicated or learned about, and I just find that, much like you, very inspiring and I, I look forward every week to to the interviews that I do on this show because I just think we just have a massive amount of talent, as Jim Lute says, uh, in our in our global community. So I would like to just take a moment, if you will, to share with the listeners 
a little bit from your chapter out of book nine, and you titled it Three Powerful Words. And there were a couple of different areas in your chapter, and I don't want to take away because I want people to read it, but the part about your dad and the piano, um, I laughed, but I felt sadness, but that's not the part, so we'll leave the listeners hanging on that story. But I loved that you did a summary of what you learned. And I'm a big believer, Diana, that things happen for a reason. And especially after you so eloquently explained about feng shui definitively and the principles of it. And I always try to look at things if they don't go the right way or my intent was different. And I like to take away and and think, what is the lesson? What did I learn? And I'm going to just go through this list, and I'm not going to read the the summaries, but the list was just so beautifully done. So this is what Diana learned from from her lessons that she calls life. Life is complicated. It's our choice. Avoid victim thinking. Create positive energy. Mistakes make people. Do not judge. I forgive you. Survive or thrive. Thrive. Break down to break through. Please help me. Balance is key. Change is good. Learn from yesterday. Plan for tomorrow. Quality versus quantity. Pursuit of happiness. Nurture your best. Make seconds count. Now or never. Cry for commercials. Emotions affect health. Keep the faith, and last but not least, God is gratitude, gratitude is God. I probably read that list three times, and I thought to myself, just from reading about your life and and your history, and and your website's beautiful, by the way, it's intuitiveconcepts.com for our listeners. Thank you. And I I loved your video on there. And I I just felt your energy. And I just, this list for me, Diana, was, I just thought, this is it. This is the list. And I'm thinking back to all of my trials and tribulations of life. And I could pull out from, from your list. So where did that come from when you were writing this? What place in your heart? And just explain to us a little bit about your mindset when you went ahead to make this decision to join the change community and, and what to write about and how to go about it. couple things. One is in one of the surgeries that I was having, they told me I probably wouldn't come out, that I needed to have all of my ducks in a row and everything taken care of. And so it gave me pause to think about, well, you know, there's going to be the funeral and there's going to be people there, and what would I want them to say? And then it hit me. Am I living my life that way? And then it hit me. No one's responsible for my happiness but me. So if I'm living with regrets, there's no one accountable or responsible for that but me. And so, you know, a lot of times when I talk, um, I, you know, 
I'm one of these open books. If people ask me a question, it's, you know, it's there. So sometimes when I talk, people are like, oh, my gosh, did you really, you know, you really had, you know, all these deaths and you really, you know, had abuse and, you know, all these things. I mean, wow, you'd never know it, you know, because you're supposedly so successful. And it's like, you know, I want you to know that, you know, there's probably nothing that you can talk to me about that, you know, I haven't experienced. And I, I mean that in the most respectful way. But that's where, you know, being a partic- participant in the the change book and being able to share back. Of course, the conversation that comes up for me and probably most people is, I'm not worthy. <laughs> who am I? To, you know, I'm just a girl from Lake Ohio. I mean, who would care about my story kind of thing? Um, but time and time again, people would say, you should write a book about that. You should write a book about that. And I tried at one point, but it brought up so many memories that, you know, when I say, you know, forgive, I mean, really, I really mean that. I think that's the greatest gift that we can give to others and as well as ourselves is to forgive everyone of everything. Uh, Being a part of the book was a way to express a fabulous place of here is a great conclusion that has come out of it. And I hope there's many more great conclusions. Don't get me wrong. You know, there'll be more three-word phrases that, you know, continue to uh, grow upon this. But it was just really a good experience to just, you know, stop and say, you know what, evidently I am worthy. You know, I was invited to be part of this. So step up to it, girl. (laughs) Put your big girl panties on. Well, and I, I just, I love your outlook and and how you speak uh, about, you know, how you went about your chapter. And, and like you said, it may only be a chapter, but it's a very personal experience and it's a process. And I think you gave us a really beautiful insight to, to your life and, and you've had many, many traumas in your life. And it's the old cliche, you know, if you touch one person who, who may be going through something that you've gone through, and what I love the most is it's not everything that has happened to you, it hasn't defined Diana Garber. It's not who Diana Garber is. It's just what happened to her. So you've got that whole victorious attitude and, and victims just not in your vocabulary. And I And I love it. And I would expect nothing less of you being an expert in feng shui because your world is all about the ebb and flow of energy and and positivity so i definitely think i i love that you're in my circle and we were chatting before we went live and and we're only maybe a five-hour drive so i'm thinking there may be a meet in the middle road trip for for us this year to to meet face to face I would really love that too. And, and I love at the end of your chapter, um, something else that we have in common is, is your dad always told you that when, when you stop learning, you might as well be in the ground. And my dad used to say the same thing to me. And that's one thing. Um, my dad passed away when I was 21. So it was a pivotal time, but he always said to me, always be a lifelong learner and everything that you represent in your teachings of feng shui principles. You can't always be 
a giver. I talk about that when I'm doing work-life balance coaching. You have to learn the art of being a graceful and humble receiver and not always giving. And that's let's just talk about that for a minute because I know that's a difficult area for some people. It's difficult for me. It's difficult for you. Um you know, and and there is a, a saying that uh, <laughs> uh, the people who you know are the most comfortable taking are not the givers. Uh, but you know, I I think again it goes back to feng shui. Feng shui is about flow out, flow in. So you know, effort into the world. It, you need to be on the receiving end. When you stop that flow, whether you start to you know. We'll use money as an example. If all of a sudden they're coming into you and you're holding on to it, you know, it's like, nobody's going to get it. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. You stop the flow. There's going to be a cost to that. You know, when somebody, and that's one of the, you know, three-word phrases, you know, is ask for help because there's there's so many people, they want to be there. Maybe they just don't know how. You know, so when you ask for help and it's just, on the receiving end, it feels so good to be able to help another human being. But if we say, oh, no, no, oh, no, no, there's nothing you can do. I'm fine. I don't need help. You've stopped the flow. You stop the flow, there's a consequence. I think that's where the world is at right now. The flow has been stopped. We have to find a way to open that up. Well, and I, I'm going to tap into your expertise because... I mean, we are at January 6th, so we're six days into a beautiful new year, and everyone's talking about the energy. So let's tap into your expertise and, you know, tell me what you're feeling instinctively, cognitively, just where has your year started off? And I and I get the whole concept that we're in control of, you know, our destiny and, and what happens each day, but... Give us that. Give us the wise mind right now, not the emotional mind of Feng Shui, and and tell me how you're feeling about the energy in the start of of 2016. Well, you know, there's the entertainment factor where they say, oh, everything's going to be hunky dory and it's all going to be you know roses and daisies, and like anything, there's the yin and the yang. There's the upside, and then there's the flip side kind of thing. Doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just is what it is. Um, Feng Shui for 2016 is a two-year, everything's associated with numbers and algorithms and formulas. Two, if we're in balance, can be love, loyalty, partnerships. It can be a lot of really fabulous things. It represents head female. Won't be surprised if somebody head female has a very strong influence in the political arena. <laughs> Um, it means different body parts. So if you're in balance, in other words, taking care of yourself and taking care of your surroundings, you're going to experience the upside of that. If you're not in balance, you're going to experience the flip side of that. And so, you know, it can be uh, very good for families or it can be very harsh on families. It could be very good for uh, OBGYN for people who are trying to conceive or, uh, you know, for gynecological issues. Uh, and if not, it could be detrimental. I'm hoping for some type of major breakthrough in regards to a cancer 
uh, approach for either breast cancer or uterine cancer. So, you know, knowing that there's risk factors, we get to decide what is going to be our reaction to this. My reaction, knowing that there are a lot of risk factors in 2016, is how do I help to make it better? So that's why I do what I do, because I want the breakthroughs. I want, you know, head females to experience life in a positive way. I want people to have a love and loyalty. The flip side of that is hatred and disgust and deviousness. Well, we're kind of seeing a lot of that, aren't we? So, you know, the lighter the light, the darker the dark. There's the possibility of darkness, lots of darkness. There's also the possibility of light, and in my opinion, light will supersede so long as we participate in it. We have to see the light in each other in order to be able to have, you know, connect with that light and help that light to grow. I I I am just sitting here beaming, smiling ear to ear because I just I love I love the foundation and and the philosophy of of everything that you represent and who you are and I I truly believe in my heart and my soul that you are doing exactly what you're meant to do and I'm not surprised that you're on the faculty at Ohio State University. I I think they're very blessed to have you. So, I want to thank you for spending the last 30 minutes with me on the Changebook radio show. And I want to tell you I have a small um, knick-knack, as my husband would call it, on my desk. And it's three little gift boxes. And the top one says life, the middle one says is, and the bottom one says great. And they're all wrapped up in a big bow. So there's just no other way for me to look at life other than that way every day. And and you've certainly endorsed that in this interview. So, Diana, I... I wish you nothing but success and abundance in 2016, and I think we need to make a lunch date in Detroit. I look forward to it, and thank you so much for having me on the show, and I think we're scheduled again on March 9th. And for the listeners, go out and visit my website, intuitiveconcepts.com. Absolutely. You have a wonderful day, and thanks for joining us again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So just an amazing um, interview with Diana Garber. And again, just showing what a powerful global community we have that Jim Britt and Jim Lutz has created. And I'm just going to bring in our second guest here, and I'd, I'd like to introduce her. Her name is Sandy Mitchell, and Sandy is from Book Three. And I'd like to give you a little bit of background before I welcome her. Sandy is the president and CEO of Apex Leadership Coaching, and this is a firm that's dedicated to both people and profitability through intentional emphasis on leadership, negotiation, and emotional intelligence for extraordinary leaders. Sandy knows leadership requires more than simply having followers. Her passion is working with high-achieving leaders who want to transition from leading followers to leading leaders. Sandy works with leaders from small businesses to major corporations to help them improve or accelerate in areas such as leadership, presence, capability, senior team alignment, strategic planning, emotional intelligence negotiations, and employee engagement. Her approach utilizes hands-on, experiential learning resulting in the highest impact 
and results through sustainable, long-term productivity improvements. Her website is www.apexleadershipcoaching.com. So, Sandy, welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. Thanks, Deb. I'm excited to be here. I have to tell you, and I'm not playing favorites, but I love the photograph (laughs) of you in book three. I just, you look like a Mm. fun, happy person. (laughs) Deb, I am. (laughs) And and it shows in your picture. And and I want to talk about the name of your business, because I love that APEX stands for Awareness, Performance, Excellence, Extraordinary and leadership mm-hmm. system after. So just give the listeners a little bit of an overview of you. Aside from the wonderful intro I just spoke of for you, why did you start your business? What what makes you get up in the morning with excitement? <laughs> uh, in the coaching world, we call that stacking questions, Deb. <laughs> um, there is so many exciting things that caused me to do this. I worked for 17 years for an international company and the last seven of it I had the opportunity to create a corporate university uh, inside the technology and I'm not technical at all so I hired technical trainers around the world and I got to focus on leadership and communication skills and what I found is that I was doing more and more coaching and absolutely loved what I was doing. I was really focusing on helping these brilliant individual contributors become managers and then become leaders, really true leaders, uh, who were changing the way that the company was run. And it was so much fun. And and so when I left the company, I I had 4,200 people in 46 countries and got to travel the world, which is just one of my great passions. And, And so... It fed also (laughs) into my insatiable curiosity. So I get to do this as a job um, and not get anybody offended. (laughs) Uh, So it's it's really about helping people. I I have this hokey little saying, I want to raise the consciousness of the world uh, one leader at a time. So that's that's what I got into it. And that's it's inspiring and and seriously not not to to make a, a joke but I when I look at your picture uh, it's the old cliche a picture a picture's worth more than a thousand words and and that's the energy I, I'm just coming off an energy radio interview with Diana Garber um, from the yes. first time that I I got book three and I was gifted book three by one of your co-authors Eden Adele out of Chicago so I read uh-huh. it quite some some months ago back in 2015 and so I was excited to go back and and reread your chapter because there was specifics that we'll talk about in a bit uh, within your chapter that really resonated with me so my next question for you is we're such a a growing powerful community coming you know from a thought and a phone call with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz and we're now in book 11 Mm -hmm. we're in 22 plus countries tell us what excites you about that well, I think, you know, just being part of something that is so big. Uh, like I said, you know, one of my goals is to help raise the consciousness of leaders. And I think being part of something like this, that the whole goal is to help people be more of who they are, right? It's it's exciting 
to be a part of it and and to be led by by two guys who are obvious experts in their field and can help us um, shine, right? One of the things I tell my clients all the time is uh, no matter what business you're in, you're in business. And if you can't, whether you're a nonprofit or and if you can't stay in business, then all of those people that you were supposed to help, you won't be able to help anymore. So it is imperative that you know your business skills and are able to get out there and reach everyone who needs your specific help. And I think being in a series like this just adds to the um, the ability to reach out to people all over the world who needs your specific or my specific uh, skill set. It's exciting. Oh, it's it's very exciting. And I just, you know, I have such a, a humble feeling of gratitude. It, it's like a treat mm-hmm. for me every week doing the radio show and interviewing two co-authors and, and just feeling like I'm in the the hub of the center of this huge wheel that's continuing to roll and grow. And it, um, it brings me to a, a point about your chapter. Your chapter in book three is called strengthening your inner genius. And I, I loved it. And I love that you gave the word genius. Um, you made it an acronym and mm-hmm. the acronym stood for gratitude, exploring, nourishing, imagining, uniqueness, and serving. And and my question back to you is, you write about your dad and, and your inner critic, and I just wanted to know, mm-hmm. A, how did you decide to what, how you wanted to write this chapter, but to go into the depths of, of your relationship with your, your sisters and your dad, and I just, it's a very moving chapter. And as soon as I started reading it again, it, it brought me right back to the first time I read it. And I had some mm-hmm. similar things because my dad also traveled a lot. So can you just talk about that, where you were in your mindset and why you chose to to pick that topic and write on it? Oh, absolutely. So I, I have had, like I, I told you, you know, I started off working with communication and uh, with all of my leaders. And primarily it was external communication, presentation skills, leadership presentation, those kinds of things. And what I found as I was working with them, the more I did coaching, uh, the more the internal communication is just as, if not more important than the external communication. And uh, and through the, oh gosh, I've read so many different things, gone to so many different classes. And, and what kind of came out of it for me was that we basically have these voices in our heads <laughs> that come out of our subconscious, right? Our inner critic voices who are really loud and they were meant to, we created them, right? Um, without recognizing that we're doing that, but they, they, they're trying to keep us safe. But what, by doing that, they try to keep us down, right? Keep us low, keep us safe. And, uh, and then we also have that inner genius voice, that one that says, it doesn't matter. You can do it anyway. Let's go for this one that pushes you through the hardships, right? And what I've found is that our inner critics are so loud that sometimes our inner genius can't be heard. And I started thinking about where did mine get started? Because they usually start when you're a kid. And um, thought about that story about dad. And I, I, I sent it to him after I wrote it to ask his permission to put it in a book because 
um, and you can tell from that, you know, there's a lot of love in our family. And yet, there's, you know, we grew up together. My parents were 19 and 20 when I was born. And um, and so trying to figure out how <laughs> how do you be an adult you parent and how do you start your first jobs i mean it's a it's a big thing right and uh, and being able to listen to the inner genius voice is key understanding who your inner critic voices are is even more important because once you can notice them once you understand who they are once you understand the beliefs that they're trying to protect then you can pull that out of your subconscious if you've seen the cartoon movie Inside Out, you kind of know what I'm talking about. If you can pull it out of your subconscious, then you can say, is this belief still serving me or is it not? And that's what I found with that story. It was totally um, not at all what my dad uh, intended, and yet my little brain that didn't have the knowledge, the experience, the language to understand what was happening, I made up a rule that in order to be loved best at whatever Right, whatever it is, which has served me really well in my career and has been greatly detrimental well in my career. Well, that that is just I, I love what you said there about your, your inner genius because I I don't know one person on the planet who doesn't have the little voices in their head and, and we all <laughs> have different concepts and, and mm-hmm. perceptions of the F word and I'm referring to fear. <laughs> and I I love that um you you write about that so beautifully in your chapter and and I love now that you're all grown up as you say and, and you're looking back at the inner child and the perception of the inner child from from your parents and specifically your dad and I just I just think it's just such a beautiful story. And and how did your dad um react and what was his feedback on your chapter? really nervous about it right and uh dad wrote back and he was so funny he goes oh this is perfect i i think you should tell this story uh and here's a couple of grammatical errors <laughs> <laughs> uh it was I, it, he gave me permission to share the story because he realized it wasn't about him it, it was it was about me and uh, and how that inner critic got started and how it served me and how it didn't and what I've decided to do with it since. Well, and your, your dad realized um, the individuality of you being able to execute and tell the story now as a grown-up. And I like that you talked about that in your chapter and you and you listed some of the great people who have understood and used their own individuality to benefit the world, like the Steve Jobs and, and the Mark Zuckerbergs and, and Seth Godin. And there's many, many more. But I just for me, when I finished your chapter, I just I felt in my in my mind emotionally and in my heart that you've come full circle. Yeah, absolutely. Fair, fair statement. Which I love, right? That's where the, I mean, because that's what the inner genius, it was there from the beginning. All we have to do is find it again. <laughs> We've covered it up, right, with all of these inner critic beliefs um, that the world gave us, that we gave our, and it's it's just about how do you, how do you push those away so that your inner genius can stand back up and help you be 
strong and wise. Well, and to stop seeing it as an obstacle. You know, I just mm-hmm. had a great conversation uh, with Diana during her interview, and there's no one who has become a success or celebrated success without multiple failures. We we must learn from all of these events in our life. And it's funny, my, my kids call me the queen of getting back up. But <laughs> I look at that as a teaching moment, really, Sandy, because you know, you can choose to be a victim and, oh, poor me or whatever. And it's like, okay, I guess that didn't work. Let's move on to plan B. And and saying it with, with a, a loving and a laughing spirit. And like you say in your book, these things can become a stopping place or they can rail you against, you know, life's been unfair. Or it can be a stepping stone to the greatness. My My favorite saying is, you know, becoming the best version of myself. So when people Mm -hmm. say to me, you know, what are you going to do in 2016? I always say, I'm going to step it up a notch and be an even better version of myself. So my question to you is, we are growing exponentially with the Change Book Series. We are now on book 11. We are in 22 plus 22 plus countries. And it's just exciting to be part of just to be part of this community. And what do you feel being part of the change? What is one of your talents that you see is a, mostly used for your clients? And, and what challenge are you seeing in your clients repetitively that your talents continue to address? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I think probably one of my great talents is being a catalyst for people. Uh, I, it's easy for me to, through all the noise, and get to the heart of a problem for other people, not for myself. <laughs> and, um, and I think for my clients, um, most of my clients are already high-potential, high-achieving leaders, and I love working with them. And for many of them, there's also... Uh, a confidence issue or uh, something that's kind of holding them back from that level they want to achieve. And being able to to push through the noise that they, when they talk out loud, right, and to, to hit in on what's, what's the real issue here. And nine times out of ten, Deb, it's an inner critic that uh, that's doing some talking to them in some way that says there's a belief. Like I have a client who, because I'm always talking about how do we take these beliefs out of our, our subconscious and pull it into the consciousness. I have a client who, um, when she was a little kid, her parents had the belief that children were to be seen and not heard. And uh, it wasn't until we went through a, a particularly difficult coaching session that she realized that that's affecting the way she's leading today. So she's, people tend to follow and in, fall into two for her. They either think she's brilliant because she doesn't talk unless she has something really intelligent to say or profound to say, or they think that she doesn't care or she, she doesn't really know what's going on because she doesn't say anything until somebody asks her a direct question. And when she realized that 
that she holds back. It's not like she doesn't have anything to say. She just holds back until she's asked directly. Stems immediately from that belief. And so it's the example that I like to use a lot is, you know, like think about like if you were five years old and you broke your leg and you got a cast on. You needed that cast, right? So your leg could heal. If at the end of the time when it was ready to be taken off, you got scared and you said, well, what if it comes off and I, and I fall again? Or what if it comes off and I'm not quite ready to walk? So you cast on and then realize 20, 30, 40 years from now, you know what? I probably don't need the cast anymore, but it become has become such a part of your life that you forgot that you can stand without it. And that's what happened to her is that she didn't realize that the the words that and the thoughts that she had to say were important enough to say out loud whether someone asked her or not. And she was able to shift her leadership communication style in a way that now people think that she is um she's so in tune with them and what they're saying because she still has by doing that she learned the ability to listen really well which has served her well um and she's able to speak up more too which gives her even more capability she just got a ceo job uh which was really exciting well, and it's it's like um, our parents try and instill lessons and, and values and core belief as we're coming up, but I still think we always have to be a lifelong learner and mm-hmm. every year try and be that better version of who we were the year before. And I want to talk to you about um, habits versus resolutions because it's, it's such a big <laughs> Such a big talk the first of the year, and and I'll give you a great yeah. example. So I do coaching on work life balance, and most men and women do not do enough self care. And I decided to really step up my game because I wasn't doing enough myself, and I thought you need to practice what you preach when you're an authentic coach. So I mm-hmm. joined a boot camp back in October because I thought. Why am I going to do it in January when most resolutions fade out very quickly? And yes, mm-hmm. you can learn a habit in 21 days, but it takes the 66 days. And I know that you chat about mm-hmm. this. And yep. I just would love for you to share your leadership coaching expertise on smart goals versus setting, you know, resolutions because we're starting a new year. Right. Yeah, I think resolutions, um, it's its really kind of become a, a hope, right? I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do this. And I'm, I, I hope that I can make it happen, right? So the focus is really more on, well, uh, one of the things that I've started doing is talking about a performance versus a mastery mindset. And I think it falls really well into this. So by setting a resolution, you're setting a performance goal. Right. I want to do, for example, I want to I want to run a a marathon. Excellent. Cool goal. So a performance view of that is today I need to run six miles and running the miles. Every thought with your foot hitting the ground is how many more steps do I have to take? How much longer is this? Am I almost there? Right. It's all about um, the it's hard (laughs) and it's exhausting. And so it's easy to give up, right? Whereas a mastery mindset looks at that 
same goal of uh, running a marathon, it says, okay, so how do I look at this from a way of making it better? So they start looking at it from, I have a friend who was running a marathon. When he got a coach, he said on that week um, where I had to run six miles, what the coach had me do is focus on my arm movement so that I had the exact right um, space between my arms and my body as I moved, that my arms, my hands and my fingers were in the, the right space so that I was slicing through the air and it wasn't, it wasn't pushing me, right? It was pulling me uh, forward. And so the fact was the goal was on a specific area that made it better. And at the end of the time, the difference between his first marathon where he collapsed the end and the second marathon where he sailed right through was the fact that it was about he was a runner then. He was a master then. It was just something that I had to do. Yes, he was exhausted at the end, but he was exhilarated at the same time. Uh, another example of that is, you know, performance versus match. You think about, <laughs> I, I just recently went to an elementary school band concert, right? They were performing. They were not masters. <laughs> and I've gone to my um, college performance where it's, they're the, it's called the one o'clock band. They're internationally renowned. They are superb masters. The difference is one of them is performing. One of them is doing the work. The other one, it is who they are. So resolutions are their things that I'm performing, I'm trying, I'm doing things hard. It's that hyperachiever in me that I talk about versus mastery is uh, this is what I want to do to continue being that one person each day that you talk about. Right? It's about becoming instead of about doing. And I think that's why habits um, last longer resolutions do. And I, I fully agree with you. I just did a boot camp and I'm a Taurus, so I, I love competition. And a lot of the women in my boot camp struggled with the diet and, you know, the water. And that, that wasn't really my, my issue, for lack of a better word, mine was just putting it in the calendar and doing it. I thought, you get up at five every day anyways, so that's going to be your self-care hour. So I didn't put any specific goals on that other than just show up and do the best you can. So I landed up losing 14 pounds, Sandy. Congratulations. And I, I got second place, so I got a couple of uh, cool <laughs> gifts and some sporty uh, some swag. But what I learned from it was most people at the gym are a lot younger than me, and I landed up mentoring some of these young women. And I thought, what a cool experience for me. I'm looking at them thinking, oh, I remember how, you know, agile I was in my 20s, and my 30s, because I'm, I'm hitting the big 5-0 <laughs> this year. And uh -huh. and now I just feel this sense of accomplishment and, and, and pride because I'm holding my own with these, these young girls who <laughs> I could be their mom. One of them said uh -huh. to me last night, oh, my mom's like 55. She's really old. And I said, hey, 50 is the new 20. <laughs> So it's just, I love, I love how you said that. And, and I just allowed myself and gave myself permission to enjoy the journey. And 
you know, the big picture with any goal is you're going to come out the other side with progress and it doesn't always have to be leveled and, and measured and, and to learn through the process, right? Which I think is, is really just a firm uh, belief and overview. I, I looked at your website, um, which is on our episode info and it's apexleadershipcoaching.com. And I, I really, really liked it. I love the layout of it and I'm a big fan of the color purple. And oh, I just, yes, and I just, I really, really liked it. And it's really clear. So are you in Texas? I am. That's where Without your business is. So yes. we we are looking to do a women's conference with some change co-authors in Texas in the fall. Oh, so I, I think you and I are going to have to have uh, more dialogue because I, I, would, I would, love would love to that. have your expertise and energy and, and just everything that you, you bring to the table that way. One of the mm-hmm. things that I'd, I'd like to talk about, because we've got about three minutes left, is I'd like to know and ask you, have you reached out and either met or had a personal phone call with Jim Britt or Jim Luke? Uh, I have with uh, Jim Britt, yes. Because the reason I ask, and I, I really want to say it this week on the radio show, is I am asked, on average, three to four times a week from different co-authors, they say things to me like, oh my gosh, did you really get to talk to Jim Britt? And (laughs) the extension of my invitation was no different than yours, Sandy. It was a phone call. We discussed it. I didn't even think twice. But they really wanted me to convey to the co-authors this week that they're a phone call away. They're an email Mm -hmm. away. They are there for us they are in our circle of influence and and to me i just find that beyond valuable absolutely they're they're more than willing they're eager to talk with us exactly but a lot of authors and co or co-authors are not taking advantage of that so uh, you know, take a minute and, 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 and give them some coaching advice and tell them to reach out because I'm telling them and they're still not doing it. Well, they're, they're probably listening to their inner critics, right, that's holding them back. Uh, Jim Britt and Jim Lutz are so important. They're international known. Uh, Tony Robbins, first coach, right? I mean, they're big deals. And, uh, and if you listen to your inner critic that says, oh, they're too big a deal to want to talk to me, then uh, you'll never get ahead. Take a take a be bold. Step up. They've they've offered, and they're willing to follow through with the offer to talk to you one on one individually, just you. Absolutely. Well, I I was very excited to spend the last thirty minutes with you, and I'm definitely going to follow up, and we're going to dialogue about you being part of our conference. And I loved your Fantastic. chapter. And I'm going to Thank keep you. my inner. I'm going to keep my inner critic. I'm going to keep uh, her at. I'm going to be. I'm going to be bold, and boldness gets rewarded. And and 2016 is going to be nothing but fabulous. So thanks for mm-hmm. for joining us today. And I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Thank you, Deb, for allowing me to be here. I, it was a great honor. You have a great day. It's so fun for me to come to you every week and interview amazing people from Change Book Series. So 
I hope that you all are setting big, scary goals for 2016 and tune in. We are going to be back tomorrow um, because our December 30th show did not happen. We had some technical difficulties. So join me again tomorrow when we're going to have two amazing co-authors again. And I want you to make today awesome. I want you to challenge yourself and pick up that phone and call Jim Britt or call Jim Lutz if you haven't done it. This is Deb Crow, your work-life balance specialist, and we'll see you back here next week on the Changebook Radio Show. Be kind, everybody. Bye-bye.